You are listening to the Therefore a Geek podcast, episode 86. Hi, everybody, and welcome to Therefore a Geek. I'm Andrew. I'm Tracy. I'm Dildo Schwagens. Dildo You gotta watch South Park this week. Oh. <laughs> last with week, with a name like that, I'm not certain that I want to. <laughs> it's clearly a play on Tolkien, though. Well, obviously, but... <laughs> <laughs> Tracy gets confronted with that. Obviously, a play on Tolkien. Tracy will find the intellectual aspect of anything. Got to give her credit for that one. Right, so this week we're going to be talking about the trailers for Star Wars Rogue One and Logan, as well as the Nintendo the Nintendo Switch, uh, the unfortunate passing of comic artist Steve Dillon, and then we're finally we're going to wrap up with a conversation on. Uh, canon and geek culture and what canon means to us and does it really fucking matter also we're going to welcome back dude to the program you know he's been gone a while it's nice to see you again dude well thank you for welcoming back to the program i missed you guys how have you been <laughs> we've been just fine no problem that's here. good to hear what's been going on <laughs> well if you listen to our last two episodes no, 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 hang, hang on hang on totally i want, I want, I, want I, I want to see how long he'll keep up going having a conversation <laughs> no, with I'm himself done, i'm done i'm done i'm done i'm done i'm done Tracy picked that one up really well. It's your ass that needs we need to take an improv class. No, I was just gonna let you have a conversation with yourself and see how long you could go. <laughs> Dude, I could do the own whole podcast. It just the show could be like, "Hi, I'm I'm Andrew, I'm Tracy," and then I'll just talk to myself for forty five minutes. And he's like, "All right, well, if you like what we do, <laughs> it's like that's it. That's the whole episode." We we might have to do that sometime, just for mostly don't, my don't, amusement. Don't so, dude, what have you been doing? Well, I've been fighting with my computer and, and trying to come back to the world. But you guys have actually been doing stuff, right? You you went to the convention. We did. And you, what else did you do? Oh, Lord. What didn't I do? I went to another, I went to another convention the next weekend. Yes. With the one in Hampton, right? So you yeah. were like, con you were just doing conventions. Yeah, it's probably not the best idea I've ever had. To do conventions? Just, or that just, one? Just, no, no, just How the convention after feel? convention. And no, you I were actually working at the Hampton one, yeah? No. I was just I was oh, no, just tooling weren't. around okay. taking pictures. Okay, well that's something anyway. Because seriously, running a booth is way more exhausting than it looks. Is that a fact? Yes. No, that actually, is actually yeah. I mean, yeah. it. Well, Tur Andrew's out, in, in, ta talking to people sucks. Yep. Well, that's and because like it, talking to people to you is like talking to a succubus, right? It just drains your energy. Yep. Like just like crazy, whereas you know I just get supercharged from it, and by the end of the day, I'm over nine thousand. That's going to be the theme for the day. Dude, dude actually started off even before the podcast with the over 9,000. Yeah, oh, Lord. Okay. I, got a, I, I, I swapped the guts out to my my, my uh, desktop. I just, I just basically rebuilt the desktop. Nice. Like new motherboard, new processor, new RAM, new graphics card. So kept we, the power supply, kept the chassis. So I was joking about this with you earlier because your computer was notorious for running super hot. Is it is it actually running any cooler? No, it still kicks off about 30 degrees Celsius. Yeah, it's... I mean, like, I can see. It's cool because I got an Asus motherboard, so they've got a new way of doing BIOS, and it's yeah. actually really, really convenient. And I can see the fan... Like, they have the... Here's your fans, and they show, the, like, a little animation of them running, and then it shows, like, how much how much heat it's kicking off. Damn. And it was, like, 30 degrees Celsius. Dear yeah. Lord. No, like, dude used to turn the desktop on, and you'd walk into the room and feel a noticeable temperature difference. Wow. Well, that's yeah. this I don't guy feel like that's healthy. Our, 
No, that's because this guy and our other roommate at the time really liked a very cold house, or at least a cool house. It was cold to mm -hmm. me. So oh, I nice. would get cold, and I'm like, oh, to hell with this. And I just flick the desktop on to <laughs> warm up my little room. <laughs> Their house was always freezing. It's slightly better now that Becky's there all the time. But seriously, oh, my gosh. Like, every time I'd go over, as soon as I'd walk in the door, Andrew would be like, would you like a blanket? Yes. <laughs> yes, I yes. would. Should have just said, would you like to, to turn on the desktop? Please turn on the desktop. <laughs> well, if I had known. Yeah. All right, so like I said, we're going to start off with the trailers for Rogue One and for Logan. So what do you guys think? Well, I, I want to start with Logan. Uh, I actually, I'm I'm kind of optimistic about it. If, I, if you watch it, it looks like they shot it really well. It doesn't look kind of over-the-top ridiculous that the other X-Men movies have been. Especially the last oh, two Wolverine movies. Yeah, the last couple. Yeah, or even Apocalypse, which was just a joke. That was just whatever that was. That it was, was that unfortunate was... that Apocalypse was, was well, it, so disappointing. It's, it's, it's funny you guys are talking about Apocalypse because I actually rewatched it on Friday night. Oh, why and would you do that to yourself? So, because because I've been listening to a bunch of other podcasts that were talking that just happened to be talking about it, because that's how far behind I am on those particular podcasts. And they were saying, you know, it's like it, there's a lot of really great X Men moments, but it's just mm -hmm. otherwise a narrative mess. Yes, and I can agree with that sentiment. I rewatched it on a very long plane flight about uh, three weeks ago now, and it, I, in my personal opinion, I think that it's worse on the rewatch than it was initially. That's the generally theater. how these movies play out. I don't like, know that I... like it was the same as with Star Trek Beyond. If you watch Star Trek Beyond again, which I inflicted upon myself, it it's it's like what what like, this is awful. This is so yeah. difficult. I don't know that I would That's... say it was it was worse on the rewatch. It didn't it didn't make any attempts to redeem itself on the rewatch though. Mm, yeah. Wait, yeah. what does that mean? I mean, like sometimes you want to go watch a movie and go, man, that really sucked, and you go back and watch it, you're like, you know. That didn't suck as hard as I remember it. And this one is like, you know, like, oh, I was that was rough. And then this time I watched it, it's like, no, it's it's still, yeah. My opinion didn't change. I mean, like, I'm I was I was trying to look at it from a different perspective, and I think that perspective is valid, but it certainly didn't improve the film any. I had completely forgotten that Maura McTaggart made an appearance in that movie. <laughs> yeah. And then I watched it again, and I was like, oh wait, yeah, she was in this. Oh man. Yeah. That's too bad. Anyway, um, yeah, I really liked Logan. I, it sort of, well, and again, it's just the trailer, but it felt a little bit more like some of the earlier, um, which I really liked the early X-Men movies. I mean, of course, I didn't have anything to compare them to. They probably don't hold up. I haven't watched any of them in a long time. Well, well no one but, really did. Yeah, I, I, when they first came out, that was my introduction to comic book characters. So I thought they were freaking awesome. And this kind of gave me some of the same little chills that those did back in the day. So I'm, I've got good, I, and I, I'm going to be honest, I absolutely love Patrick Stewart and, um, Hugh, I mean, everybody loves Patrick Stewart and Hugh Jackman in these roles. And I do, I, I look at them and I'm like, these are the real guys. Like I'm, I really like the casting in first class, except for Beast. Um, but nobody's going to be as awesome as Kelsey Grammer. So I look I, I look at these and I'm like, these are the real X-Men. 
And maybe for someone who's a little younger than me, that's not the case. But I liked it. I, well, I really see, like it. See, here's the thing. Looking at this trailer, and I'm 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 watching it as as we're talking about it, so I can keep it sharp in my head. Uh, so I'm at like the 50 minute, 52 minute mark. It doesn't look like an X Men movie. It doesn't look like a superhero movie. This is, by all appearances, at least from this first trailer, it is super super stripped down. For instance, if you didn't see like the guy's robot arm or you know the blades coming out of Wolverine's arms or hands, you would have thought this was a, a movie like Hell or High Water or Sicario. This doesn't look like an X-Men film. It, it has this really stripped down type look to it. And if anything, it, it appears to be more focused on like the characters and their relationships, at least mm -hmm. again from this trailer. So you've got like Logan and, and Professor X and here they are this is them kind of at the end of their ropes. And then you've got this girl. I mean, it's that typical, like, old guy adopts a young girl to keep his life together type storyline that we've seen every now and again. The Last of Us, X-Men edition. <laughs> right, yeah, something like that, right? You've got that kind of story. What's the one that um, Jeff Bridges did a few years ago? He was like a country music store, and he had a young girl with him. Oh. Or, I, I, you know what I'm talking about. Yeah. You, this plot's been around, right? That's what I'm saying. Yeah. That's what this plot list does not look like an X-Men film doesn't look like the over-the-top silliness of a Brian Singer movie or kind of the almost cartoonish uh, look that a, a Marvel movie has. This is like a, a Fox movie that seems to be a little more grounded. And, of course, let's talk about they use Johnny Cash's cover of the Radiohead song, Hurt. Uh, no, which nine, just leads, nine Inch Nails. Nine Inch Nails, that's right. And uh, just leads me to believe that's, that... Hugh Jackson's gonna die in this. Like, if you hear hurt, someone's dying. <laughs> Someone important is gonna die. Right? Well, That's just that song is like the kiss of death for any character. In is the movie. Xavier not dying in this one? I thought that he was. He could be dying in it too. He At least to that was the Alzheimer's. Yeah. Can you right. okay? So this 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 concept, which this concept to me sort of hit me straight on. Think about a, the world's most powerful psychic. We'll throw out Jean Grey for now. With Alzheimer's, with dementia. My, my, I've got grandparents on both sides with that. That's a crazy idea, a crazy thought. Someone with psychic powers that also has Alzheimer's? Like, okay, that's very realistic. That, that's a thing that could happen. Wow, mm -hmm. holy crap. Plus, I mean, Professor X has been knocked on the head how many times at this point? Well, they all have. You know, that's, yeah, well, but that's my point. Like, they're all at high risk for dementia, you know, all those issues that we're seeing with football players and stuff in the real world. That's really cool. And I love that they're bringing these real world, what happens Except people, when people you've been higher, around? people with higher intellect than football players. Yeah, yeah, yeah. right. Um, what happens when you have a 200-year-old man who's, um, whose powers of resuscitation are starting to slow down because he's aging, maybe at a slower rate than the rest of us? What happens? Like that's that's a cool concept. I like that idea. I'm glad we're finally getting around to it. Well, so th this look, looks like it's loosely based on the old man Logan plotline, which is not one mm -hmm. that I was ever super thrilled with. Uh, I, I've commented with some friends on this one, and I, and I actually need to go back and reread it because at least when it was coming out in issues, it was just I stopped caring. Like it's, it was moving at such a pace that it was just like I don't remember what happened and I don't care what happened, so I stopped. I dropped it, but. I'll yeah, say we'll, this. We'll, we'll see what happens. This, this might assuage your your feelings about that. Is it may just be based on the look of Old Man Logan, 
But this story sounds very, very different, partially because Fox doesn't have the rights to a lot of the old man Logan characters that appear in that story. No, I know. So, yeah. so really what it appears is that they're going with an original story that just kind of takes the look of old man Logan and makes it into a movie, which I'm actually more okay with. I, I'd like to see them I, not I adapt a story from the comics and really do something truly original. I don't know that they're just going for the aesthetic. I think that there's going to be a lot of character replacements and, and some of what mentioned, I mean, what makes me think like you said, there's the character who's got the robotic arm, mm -hmm. right? There's a character in old man Logan with a robotic arm. It's just, it's Hawkeye and old man Logan. Right. Right. And they obviously can't do Hawkeye. Right. I mean, there's a, there's a guy who I was in, in preparation for this, uh, Mr. Sunday movies on YouTube kind of goes through the, uh, goes goes through it and he kind of explains what what they might be doing here that it just it's probably in all likelihood a, an amalgamation of a bunch of stories and uh, again i i think i'm i'm pretty good with that one I, i'd like to see a, just a little bit more of an original story where you know writers really take this in a different direction so i'm i'm cautiously optimistic about this one yeah so what about rogue one I, I mean, I so, realize like you're you're you've already got mixed feelings on this one because you just kind of accepted that okay we're gonna do Death Star stuff. We're gonna do Death Star stuff. I mean, let me tell you another thing that I like. It's just looks like just the visual aspect of this movie is so clean, right? It's so it's got just a, such a different look to it. Yeah. That I'm kind of excited about, it. and again, I'm kind of push play while I'm looking at it. It's just I love the way it looks, and I was telling a friend of mine the other day. It doesn't matter if this trailer came out or not. It's, this trailer doesn't have to look good. It does look good. You could have just told me, hey, there's a Star Wars movie coming out tomorrow. I'm, I'm just going to go see it. Right. right I'm just going to go see it. And this looks like it's going to be pretty darn good. At, at this point, they're just they're, they're working on building up the hype. Right? Yeah. They, they, want that, they want that smash opening weekend. Yeah. Can I just say that I'm the odd man out and that it's not working on me? I feel like this is a side story of a story that's already been told. Eh, I'm not that excited for this movie. I know Maybe that I'm not, I'm also... Told. I mean, this is the Death Star, right? Right. Okay. We're past this point in the continuity, and I... Maybe I should be more hyped, but I'm also not the biggest star... I, I love Star Wars, but I don't love, love Star Wars. I didn't grow up on it, so it's not... It was something I didn't see until I was an adult. And I actually saw the prequels first. So, yeah. um, the, actually, the second one... Andrew, which one is that? Always tell me, because I always forget. What? The, the second, second of the prequels. Attack the second of the, Attack of the Clones. Attack of the Clones. This is the first well, one that I ever one. saw. That was the first one. one I, it's the first movie I ever saw in a theater. I was 19. So oh, That's right. You were locked away in a hole for a while. Right, exactly. People don't know so, that. Tr Tracy just lived... On an Amish farmstead, building, building uh, homes exactly. out of wood and nails, raising buggies. Barns. Actually, buggies. buggies. Yeah. yeah. You see that movie Witness? <laughs> that was Tracy. <laughs> so anyway, so when I say that I'm not a Star Wars fan, I, I love the movies. I just don't love the movies. And this one, eh. yeah. I'll say so. this much: I've been, I'm on record on the on the blog saying I'm not a fan of the movies in particular. I like the universe. Mm -hmm. Yeah. yeah. You know, the universe is great. I just, 
the thing that bothers me again i agree with tracy 100 percent. i'm so tired of the death star but i've just come to accept it i've moved on <laughs> just, it's just, you're in the stage of grief yeah that's the stage of like recovery is of acceptance death star we will do the story of the death star okay that's what we'll do but i'm just looking at, i want i just want it to be a good movie you know i yeah. just it doesn't have to be a star wars story it's just a good movie and it it looks like it'll be a good movie because, you know, I trust Garth Edwards, the guy who directed Godzilla. I know they did reshoots and they did a lot of reshoots and that's always worrisome. Mm -hmm. And yep. you can always spin reshoots. You know, and the Hollywood Reporter has covered the reshoots. You know, it was like the guy they got to re-edit it because Edwards didn't edit this. Uh, was the same guy who did Godzilla. So he's worked with Edwards before and he, he knows Edwards' work. So... I don't know. I like the kind of dark look to it, you know, and I just, I'm Donnie Yen's in it. And I really like him. And so he has to die because it's Donnie Yen. Donnie Yen is like the Hong Kong John Hurt. He just <laughs> dies in everything. <laughs> so I just, I want characters to, I, I like a, just a different spin on the Star Wars story. And if it's not that central spine of heroes, you know, are. Or Luke and Leia and Ray and Finn, like I'm I'm not concerned with them because those stories aren't interesting. These characters don't have, you know, canon behind them. So they're expendable. I don't necessarily die. have a happy ending. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's what I'm looking for. I'm really hoping that's the direction we go in. Yeah, honestly, I mean, it's nice to see characters that aren't like the the focal point of the Star Wars universe. No plot armor. There was a there was a book that Good came out came out a few few months ago maybe a year ago now write that down <laughs> called uh twilight company and it was interesting because at one point the the main character of the book who's a, an officer for some uh company in the rebellion he ends up going to like rebel headquarters which is on on he's there for the battle of hoth and he is just like blown away by the quality of equipment that headquarters has compared to the shit he has to deal with. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, I kind of want more of that. Like the writing on that book was okay. It was only okay. But I'm like, I kind of want more of that. Like show me the rebellion, like barely scraping their ass together for a fight. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, well, they're the underdogs, right? Well, yeah. Show them to me actually as underdogs. Exactly. Yeah. Especially, you know, I mean, in the in the in the in the original films, you know, yeah, the rebellions are, are the under the underdog, but it almost feels a little like the uh, the 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 empire and the alliance are closer matched. Yeah, and the reality is and the it, empire is like colossal, and the empire and the alliance is a fucking ant. Yeah, yeah. So. So, did either of you guys watch the new Guardians of the Galaxy teaser that was dropped a little early? I did. I saw that. Yeah, I'm. Um, I'm not the best person to. I don't like. I've never enjoyed the Guardians of the Galaxy ad campaign, like ever. So I just. Did you like the original? I, I know you don't like superheroes. Did you like the original movie? I I refused to watch it. What? <laughs> I was like, refused to watch it because oh, again, it was one of the like the ad campaign to me was so bad. I was like, I'm not watching this. It was just kind of out of principle. I went I'll in... see it eventually because I think I kind of have to, but that's. That's where I. That's why. You should. I went in with low expectations and was blown away. But yeah, I I think it's one of the most perfectly so, so told dude, stories so what I've ever seen. So what happens is dude will watch. Dude will walk in with low expectations and leave with 
low expectations. <laughs> yeah. That's what yeah. usually happens with superheroes. <laughs> yeah, I, I really enjoyed that teaser. I think it was a lot of fun. And I actually, more than that, I really liked James Gunn's introduction of the trailer, which I'll throw in the show notes. Um, of course, he has a very high social media presence. Uh, but he tends to come across as like cool and fun as opposed to I'm on social media because I have to be because I work in a social type of job, you know? Um, yeah. So after the after the teaser poster dropped, which I really want one, I don't see anywhere that you could buy it online. All I see is the, the image. Uh, but then um, he dropped the trailer, too. And I thought that was really cool. I, I'm really looking forward to this movie. I'm I think they're going to be hard pressed to live up to the the first one but we'll see all right so do y'all watch the power rangers trailer uh i watched i watched it after new york i'm on board i'm on board with that (laughs) it it, it reminded me a little of like some of the like the teenager horror films that we've seen in the last few years like yeah, it's oh, like not, not teenage cool. horror films mixed with, you know, John Hughes, The Breakfast Club become Power Rangers. Yeah. I'm trying to remember there was... I'm trying to remember which... which there was one film... Uh, like, the trailer had, like, the big train wreck and the kids find something. Yeah, they find the, the stones and they kind of have... They go through the Spider-Man moment of, dude, I'm ripped and strong and stuff. No, 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 no. Um, I'm, not, I'm not talking about the Power Rangers trailer. There was another oh. trailer a, a few years back for one of these teenage horror films that was like... The, um, there was the train crash and they... You know, Super 8? Yes. Yeah. Yeah, it reminded me a lot of like just the feel of Super 8 other than the first-person perspective. Right, right, right. I mean, let me tell you... I'm looking at... I'm watching it right now. It... it it does again has a good look to it, you know. This one obviously is going to be, you know, you don't want to take this one too seriously. This one's no, going to—it's no. a Power Rangers movie, so it's going to be really silly and dopey and, and over the top. But again, very dark. Like there's a—it's a, a shadowy trailer, like yeah, not very like dark so. as the theme, but like the the it the looks color dark. Yeah, it's shadowy. It's blues and and blacks, and I do like how all the characters have. You know, depending on which ranger they are, the clothes they're wearing matches the ranger they're going to be, if you watch carefully. Yeah. Oh, like that's the yellow, cool. Like, all, the yellow ranger has a yellow beanie. Yeah, although, you know, if, if, you watch the, uh, if you watch the old, like, original Power Rangers cartoon, they did the same thing. Or not cartoon, but the, yeah. the, the, yeah. the original the sh- show. The original show, yeah. Over, yeah. So, I don't know. I just... I don't know why. I'm on board with the Power Rangers thing. So, no, it's, fun. With that. it's fun. It's fun. All right, so Nintendo Switch. Did either of you guys get a chance to check this thing out? I saw I, a little bit of a, a trailer for it, but I don't really know much about it. Yeah, and I glanced at basically like it, what was essentially a press release, so I don't know that much about it. It attaches to your phone, right? No, it's so pretty, pretty cool. You gotta, yeah, it actually is. If if you watch the watch the video for it, it actually is really kind of interesting. Uh, so this this was what Nintendo referred to as Project NX. And it basically takes some of the the features and things we've had from, like the Wii and the Wii U, and basically stepped them up a, a couple of levels. So, basically, it's got like what looks kind of like a normal controller, and then you can actually take the controller portions off of like a centerpiece, and then attach them to a a screen. That's probably. Probably like a little bit, a little bit, bit larger than like 
the 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 tablet phones and then you can mm-hmm. essentially take it with you and then if you want they should a couple of other other forms of it you can uh remove the the controllers from the side of the screen and just play with them kind of like you would like a Wii um a Wii controller and a nunchuck and then they also have they've also shown where you can play like head to head on the same screen and each each person is using like one either the left or the right controller as gotcha. its own little controller it's really i yeah. mean it's you know we'll we'll have to see how the physical execution actually turns out like how well it actually works but conceptually this is a really cool console yeah. i mean that sounds um, like fun a console on the run right Suddenly, you've got kids in restaurants. Instead of just staring at their iPad, they're flinging things in the middle of the aisle. Well, no, so, so like sounds like a Jersey diner to me. Well, there's that. <laughs> so I, I mean, when I say like the the Wii, like the Wii controls, I don't think the, any of this is motion based. Oh. So. Oh, like, so it's actually like buttons. Yeah. So like, as opposed to like the Wii, where it's where you're actually like moving the controllers around, this is more just two separate individual controllers as opposed to one unified. Gotcha. But they're pretty small, right? They're they're pretty tiny. Yeah. Um, I mean, okay. they they look certainly shape wise they're different, but they look probably about the same size as a Wii a Wii U nunchuck. Oh, okay. Cool. That'll be fun. I'm curious to see how it actually turns out yeah. in practice. It, it it basically looks like a like a modular version of the Wii U gamepad is what it feels like to me. Nice. Yeah, I'm fine with that. I mean, I enjoy my Wii U, and like I said, this this. It looks interesting. I've got a friend of mine was is kind of concerned like how this is going to impact Nintendo's like the rest of Nintendo's handheld market, like the Game Boy, because it is kind of a fusion between the two, like a regular console and a and a, and a handheld. And I think we'll just kind of have to see where that goes. Yeah. Yeah, I'm not. I don't know much about the console market. And I've, I haven't been a Nintendo customer in maybe 20 years, right? Like, the last thing I had was a Super Nintendo, and then that was about it. So where where this goes or where this takes them is, uh, I mean, really anyone's guess. But the whole, I mean, I got to give them a lot of credit because they are going in a direction that's very different from what Sony and Microsoft are doing. You know, Microsoft and Sony are basically in this this you know high-powered console wars, whereas Nintendo is trying to create a market for itself, which is pretty interesting. Well, yeah. see, see, I don't think I think the NX is actually getting back into the high-powered. They're also just adding a bunch of different features to it as well. Oh, okay. I, I think they're actually. I don't. I mean, I don't think it's going to end up being anywhere near as high as as the uh, the PS4 or the Xbox One. But mm-hmm. I think it's certainly a much higher powered console than we've seen from Nintendo in a couple of years. I'd be curious to see what kind of games they put out on it. Because, again, just watching the trailer, I mean, I did see that they had an NBA game. But, like, just the impression I get from Nintendo is that they do, I don't want to say childish games or kid games, but they're just, you know, they're E for everyone games. Mm-hmm. And, like, the, the big market, you know, items are you know, Battlefield. Right, stuff like that. Or, yep. And yeah. I don't know if Nintendo touches those. I think Nintendo's going more back like back more towards its roots. So they've not at least from what I've heard, like an Earthbound two, 
a Kingdom Hearts game, like those kinds right. of like RPG kind of games that are that hardcore gamers are certainly interested in. Yeah, cool. That's awesome. Yeah. So, and then like like we mentioned earlier, the last thing I want to talk about before getting into our canon discussion is the uh, rather untimely passing of comic artist Steve Dillon. Dylan is best known as the co-creator and artist for Preacher. He also did runs on Punisher and Hellblazer, among a significant amount of other yeah. other books. And unfortunately, so he's best known to me for Preacher, and he's the he does the pencil. He's he's listed as the artist for right. uh, for Preacher, and yeah, it very very untimely and sad death. Yeah, it was fifty four. And, Do you know uh, what actually happened? No, and that's kind of interesting. That th- people have been very quiet about like what happened. Like details have not been released. Mm-hmm. That I always think like one of two things: either suicide or drug overdose. And usually the drug overdose comes out quicker. So yeah, I although, really. I mean, depending upon the person. I mean, when Darwin Cook passed away, we didn't know Darwin Cook was even sick until he was in hospice care, and he was dead within a week. Yeah, that's true. That's true. And and I respect any family that tries to keep those details to themselves. It's hard to live in the public eye. Um, but I really hope I, I really hope that, you know, whatever it was, it was quick, it was painless. Um, yeah, I mean, and I feel for his family. I mean, the, man, the man's just a very talented artist. I mean, Preacher, yep. you know, one of the things I, I, I enjoy most about Preacher is, you know, especially because it's Garth Ennis, Preacher is a very graphic book. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But at no point did I ever really feel it was gratuitous. Like, the violence and whatnot in the book fit the story without going overboard. It, it accurately portrayed what, what Ennis was getting at, but it didn't seem like they were just being violent for violence's sake. Yeah, you always got to cut someone's nuts off in a Garth Ennis story, and they definitely did that. Yep. Trying to see if I can find that. Someone's nuts has always got to get chopped off. Where's the... That actually made it into the show too. If you guys have either of you seen the show yet? Oh, no, no, I'm way behind on that. It no, totally no, made I it into it. Yeah, when Jesse tells the guy to go fuck himself. Oh no, this is um, this is when Jesse shoots the guy's uh, dick actually off. Oh, yeah, and that's he's he, he's like carrying it around in his hands. It's hilarious. I mean, also cringeworthy. Like in the in the cringing and personal almost pain, like phantom pain, that kind of cringing, but also hilarious. No, I was because the of, guy's in shock. He's like wandering around. I was thinking of, I think it's the end of the first trade, when Jesse has yeah. the voice of God and he tells the guy to go fuck himself, and then realize <laughs> realizes that he may need to be careful with the words he chooses when uh, using the voice of God. Does he ever well, actually, I'm talking about the scene. There, so in the first trade, the the first we actually did. A, I did a review on this one. The first trade yep. is like two separate books right where it's like you deal with the main story and then there's this side story where they go to new york that is actually pretty terrible it's a it's a really dumb it has nothing to do with the story like if you want to talk about gratuitous that story was gratuitous but there's a part the very uh page 160 at the very bottom where there's these investigators they're looking for a serial killer and the guy gets like a doggy bag and he goes up to the woman and he asks is this your husband's scrotum showing her the inside of the bag nice so someone's got to get their nuts chopped off uh in in a garth Ennis story but 
is way more graphic in Punisher than it is in Preacher. Yeah. Yeah. Seems like every other podcast that we do these days, we're mentioning um, the passing of someone involved. That's too bad. 2016, man. Well, yeah, 2016, general 2016 has been a rough year, but. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, yeah, comic, or not not just comic book canon, but, but the idea of canon in general. So, so, so canon, and you can kind of blame the biblical context for this, but this is basically the, the grouping of acceptable or, yeah, I guess acceptable is probably the best word, like, books films comics etc that make up a in in this case like a fictional universe or something like that star wars is one of the the prime examples i think of what is canon what's not uh, star wars was notorious for having different levels of canon based on the on the source material but just in general like you know we as geeks really latch on to canon and mm-hmm. I was kind of curious what you guys, why you, what you guys think of as, as the reason behind that, and how much does canon actually matter to you guys? You would have to tell me. Are you talking about canon as defined by the creator of the work, the producer of the work, or do you think, or or do you think that there's also a personal canon that you can have? They call it head canon in social media. Well, that's that's part of the question, right? I mean, mm-hmm. how, do, how do you define canon? Like, what is it? What does it mean to you? I think that canon is based <laughs> on the fact that all of these properties are art. So canon is up to the viewer. I mean, just like any piece of art is judged entirely by its reception, I would say the same thing is true for any type of property. So whether this is comics, whether we're talking about J.K. Rowling's Harry Potter and and Hogwarts and that whole world, whether we're talking about Star Wars, whether we're talking about Star Trek, it's up to the individual viewer to judge that work and to decide for themselves what they want to suspend disbelief to accept. So I think it's I think first thing you have to do is you have to define canon for yourself, right? And the way I've always understood canon is not just in a literary sense of like what's part of you know see great american the literature of american canon right it's it's what's what's true in a story what actually happened and it gets really murky the further and further out you get from sources of art that have one creative mind behind them like i don't remember who said it it might have been faulkner or something like that or i'm just going to say it was faulkner so i can sound smart that the, writing a novel is the ultimate form of artistic expression because it is the work of a single mind. Whereas a comic book or a movie or a television show or a collaboration of multiple minds and multiple creativities working at the same time. So, like, for instance, I have this kind of pet theory about canon in a literary sense, at least. It borrows more from, from literature, is that once you escape the original creator's work, you are by definition non-canonical. Now, the fans may or may not accept the work as part of the character's story or the universe's story, but as far as I'm concerned, you're non-canonical. So here, let's just two examples, right? And it's all from literature. Uh, Conan and James Bond, right? 
they had an original author who wrote a series of stories about this one character in their universe that they defined fairly clearly. Fleming had like 13 Bond novels, and there was a collection of, of Conan shorts and novellas and actually like one novel, right? But as we know, Bond has novels written by, out, not written uh, by Fleming. Mm -hmm. There's the Roy Thomas Conan comic book series. There's the Dark Horse comic book series. There's uh, the series of Conan novels that were written by different authors. Robert Jordan wrote a series of Conan novels. So there's these different canons. So they're interesting Conan stories, but as far as I am concerned as a fan, Conan is what was written by Robert E. Howard, and everything else is just a retelling. Now, things get murky when you split off into things like comic books and movies. So, like, if you look at Batman and Superman, here's a great example of ca canon just being blasted all over the wall. I mean, I was talking to a friend of mine about Batman. <laughs> canon this blasted. Is... I like it. Yeah. I was going, yeah. So, we talk about Super uh, Batman's been around since, what, 39, 38, 37, something like that? 39, I believe. 39. So he's been around 70, 80 years. And I was talking to a friend of mine who's a big Batman fan. Uh, every Batman story and every interpretation of that character and his ancillary characters has basically been told. They all can't be true at the same time. So we as fans have taken upon ourselves which ones are the most popular. And there's a reason for that because, you know, talking biblically, that's kind of how the, the, the canon of the Bible got picked up, right? Exactly it was right. What was being preached in different cities or in the Christian world kind of came together. Right. And some right. just well, and then they had a huge council. Right. And everybody got in one place and was like, OK, this is what we're going with. Right. So so there are stories, ancient stories that were just in the Christian canon that just weren't used anymore. And in mm -hmm. some other religions picked them up and uh, adapted them and others were codified in, in the Bible. We, we do the same thing with superheroes. A, a really good example of this is Superman. And if you watch Mac Land, Max Landis's video where he pitches a Superman story, and it's this beginning to, you know, it's about a 45 minute pitch, but it's, in, I, I like watching the guy talk. He's, he's eccentric, but That's he basically, yeah, right. There's, <laughs> he gives you this, his story, which is just a retelling of other Superman canonical stories. So he knows what fans, you know, Doomsday is Superman canon. Zod is Superman canon. These are all things that are, yet they were never written by the original creators. Yeah. But they are accepted as the mythos of Superman. And there's other stuff that's just thrown away. There's other stuff that is Superman we don't even bother with, like Red Sun or the one where Superman lands in Mexico. And it's the same thing with Batman. There's Batman stories that are told that we just don't even bother with. There was, uh, it was in the 60s or 70s, there were two guys writing Batman at the same time. There was a kid's Batman, and then there was a more adult Batman. And it was, which one's the real one? Right? It's eventually just what's more popular gets absorbed into the canon. What gets even more difficult is when you go into things like Star Trek and, and Star Wars, where this was never truly the work of a single mind. You, you had Roddenberry and Lucas who start it, but if you go look at the Star Wars films, there were other dudes writing Return of the Jedi and Empire Strikes Back. Mm -hmm. He just was story credited. And Roddenberry had a team of television writers. I mean, you know, some of the best Star Trek episodes, OTS episodes, were written by sci-fi authors, 
right? And they're just considered canon because they were in the show. And then you've got novels and video games, and did what happened in novels really happen in that universe? Did what happened in video games really happen in that universe? Those are just non-canonical stories that get thrown in there, but if they become popular enough, like like a good example is um, Grand Admiral Thrawn in Star Wars. Here's a character who got thrown in a novelized version post-Return of the Jedi, appears in a number of video games, and now I hear he's appeared in Star Wars Rebels. True statement. So here's a character that wasn't created by Lucas or any of the television or, uh, excuse me, movie writers, inserted via novel, became popular enough that he appears in video games and other comic books, and now if Star Wars Rebels is considered Disney canon, Grand Admiral Thrawn's real. Yeah. Right? There's, there's no... Yeah. There's, well, there's, and then there you no go again. Here. You've got another corporation coming in and purchasing a property, and suddenly they decide that they're going to pick and choose what is canon and what isn't canon based out of what is already in existence. What happens if you're a fan and you're coming into it after the fact and you're like, hey, you're in, I don't know, Goodwill, and you pick up a used paperback and you're like, hey, this says Star Wars. You should is probably, that canon? You should probably put it down because it's in Goodwill and God only knows where it's been. Good, very excellent point. But what I'd really like to do, dude, because I have I when I was thinking about this this topic this week, I came up with two examples that I think, um, if we if we kind of rewind back to your literary and single author idea, may either make you revise that or at least think about it a, l a little bit more. One of them is what happens when the original creator, the single creator of a property changes the canon or expounds on the canon after the fact. For instance, J.K. Rowling going back after the fact and saying, I really wish that I had made Harry Potter get with Hermione because now I, I regret that she was with Ron. Or Dumbledore was actually gay. I always thought he was gay. I didn't bother to write that. But, you know, I always thought that in my head. So now that's canon. What about that? Single author. Right. Well, I, I knew you were going to Rowling the second you, you brought this up, right? Because it's just, we talked, we've talked we talked about her before, is that Rowling appears to be creative by committee, right? It's almost that what her fans, what direction her fans want her to go is the direction she goes. And I'm not a big Rowling fan. The reason why I brought up Fleming and, and Howard is because I'm familiar with their works. But, yeah. you know, if the I, I just, the reason why I stuck with the single creator Faulkner model, right, is just because it's the easiest one to work with, right? It, it, it gives you that clear line because with those later examples I gave you, you could see how blurry everything gets. Yeah. It's yeah. almost immediately, once you go outside a single creative mind, just it's it's a mess. So with Rowling, she does kind of throw a wrench into this, but at least if I were to be consistent in the model is whatever Rowling says goes. So Rowling could... We have this phrase now, retcon, and we, mm -hmm. it, it's just now it's so it's so ensconced in the popular vernacular because it's being used so often. Just think of the X-Men movies and, and that, that, that Logan trailer, Easter eggs and things I sent you from Mr. Sunday Movies. Yep. Uh, he talks about how the, the timeline just makes no sense at all. Like that, the X-Men right. timeline just literally makes no sense. So on the one hand, we have to admit that these creators can't put all the thought into it that fans multiple many thousands of fans do at the same time it's right. just the, the the man hours that go into that are just the disparity is huge right uh, yeah. 
uh, George R. R. Martin can sit there and spend how many hundred of man hours writing something and thinking about it, but then 10,000 fans can each put yep. in. And they're going to poke so many holes in it and say, yeah. oh, well, I saw this and I saw that. You said his eyes were gray in this book. In the next book, you said they were blue. What is, what is it? What, it, what really right. is it? And I think he um, talked about it in an interview. He goes, now, all right, well, they're blue gray now. <laughs> the blue, he, 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 he corrected that, you know? Yeah. yeah. Uh, so th that's kind of where I'm at is that, so, so, where, so where is a fan left with, right? So as a, me as a fan, uh, I, I see them all as different canons the howard canon for conan is the canon right that's it that that is all if you want conan the books of robert and the short stories of robert e howard is you you need not go any further if you want different interpret and, and andrew and i were at when we were at phoenix con i asked this question of some of the guys who wrote characters of burrows uh, of, of from burrows right wrote stories of characters from from uh Edgar Rice Burroughs. Like, how mm -hmm. do you do that? The guy's dead. And so how do you tell these stories of these characters that aren't yours? Right? And so you don't know what that author would think about. And one of the guys, I forgot the dude that was there, because a bunch of them had written Burroughs stories. Yep. The older gentleman, I forgot the guy's name, who was there, said, the key is you got to stay true to the spirit of the original intent. You've got to keep that spirit. You've got to define what this what this is and then stay in those parameters. Because the second you start to add your own politics, for lack of a better word, and you go beyond those um, parameters, you, you lose what that character is. So like a good example is a James Bond. Right? A James Bond is, 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 is a totally un-PC character in the 21st century. Yep. So if you go beyond the, the parameters that Fleming set for that character... You know how he defined what that personality is, what those stories were, what that character does. You start, to, you expand it to the point where, as a fan, if you accept the you know upper threshold of Bond as your character, then you can and as and you could create that and shoot you you lose what you're talking about because you've taken that let's say upper bandwidth uh, tolerance of what you think Bond is. So you then create back on that. You've created another, you know tolerance for what that character is so now you yeah. it's, it's like a this, game of telephone it's just, right it's it's not even just that i mean i've read well huh i've read people doing um additional novels about heathcliff from the uh which bronte the younger emily bronte i've i've read like jane austen novels supposedly where they take characters from jane austen and they just keep reworking them and i'm going you can't i especially well, 200 can, years but... Well, yeah, I mean, they can. They, That's the thing. You can do anything. But it's just crazy to me. A hundred years after this person's death, you're going to take their character and you're going to somehow try to tell everyone that what you're writing is just as equally valid as the original. Maybe they don't think that. Maybe they do. But here's another example um, by someone who's a little bit more renowned. Um, J.R.R. Tolkien wrote the story of Baron and Luthien, Baron being a man, Luthien being an elvish woman who fell in love with him and gave up her immortality to be with him forever. It's sort of an ancient mirror to the story of Aragorn and Arwen in The Lord of the Rings. And he tell, Tolkien told this story four different times in the existing, shall we say, canon. Uh, he told it in... Aragorn actually tells the story to the hobbits on their way to... Um, the last lonely house. Somebody tell me what the elvish is for that. 
House of Elrond. Thank you. Um, so a, as they're as they're headed there, Aragorn sits and he tells the hobbits this story. It's also reprised in the in a, a slightly different form in the appendices to the Lord of the Rings. Then it's also written in the Untold Tales, and the most recent writing that had been published during Tolkien's life, or actually the Untold Tales, I think, were published immediately after his death. Uh, it was written in the Silmarillion. So this this story exists in four slightly different forms in the existing published works. They're republishing it all by itself, based on his notes, based on based on his stories, um, and under the auspices and care of his son, Christopher. Be, it's being published for the fifth time. This is the same author. He wrote this in four different forms, all of which were published with his go-ahead, and now it will be published one more time, even differently, a fifth time under his son's okay. What does that do to the canon? You tell me. That's the thing. Is Where, where do we... There's no line here, right? I mean... Uh... All we're gonna. This is a lot like the fair use conversation we had a few episodes ago. Is that the reason why we have these conversations? Is because art and literature and comic books, movies—they're so blurry at the margins. Yeah. You you get stuff like this, and it's really it's what it's what the you and I actually have no say over this, right? It's what the fans as a group accept. But that's see, but I don't agree with that. I don't, we don't, I don't think that. we have I a think choice, it, right? I that's think it just... has to be at the personal level. I think the only way you can possibly define canon is to take it down to the personal level. I don't think it can be the collective. Otherwise, again, where do you draw the line? Like, how many, what's the number of fans that it requires to make this canon or not canon? When is Dumbledore actually gay? 6,000. When the fans say so? Huh? 6,000. 6, no, 9,000! <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I think 9,842. I'm just going to start is... throwing out random numbers. <laughs> Yeah, I, I just think in order to have a definition, it has to be the personal level because it's art, because you're I, looking at it and you're deciding. Right. So I understand where you're going with this, but here's 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 I think what, what you you, you got to go one step further, right? So okay. let's I can grant you that it's at the personal level. This actually just doesn't embarrass my position because if it is at the personal level, and you've got ten thousand fans all accepting canon, and they independently agree on the personal level that how oh, I had I had a good example is that Doomsday is now canon in Superman. Okay. It now becomes canon. Right? It it, it I think it necessitates a community. What but what happens to that 10,000 and first person that goes Doomsday is stupid. He never existed before now and I don't I don't want him to. For me so, it's not canon. What about right, that guy? So, well, you're basically talking about me, right? And, and from my perspective... I wasn't going to name you, but yes, yeah, that's exactly what I was thinking. And I'll tell you exactly what happens to that person is the other 10,000 tell, shut the fuck up, you don't know what you're talking about, and ignore them. That's exactly what happened. Okay, that's what that is. He speaks, like, the man it, speaks from Star personal experience. Right, so with the Star, with Star Wars is a good example. Is J.J. Abrams came in and said, a new canon, right? And, and I have a J.J. Abrams universe, and I'm just going to do whatever the next director could come in and go, Abram's stuff was stupid, because it is. We're, that's not canon anymore. They can retcon it or just plain ignore it and move on with the with the Star Wars Prime universe and say, you know what? Romulus never blew up. That was uh, mean... a different universe. They can techno-babble their way out of it because it's Star Trek, and we could move on. <laughs> you just right? switched, and hey, you just switched from Star Wars to Star Trek in the middle there. You did. 
I mean, oh, it's sorry. the same guy. Yeah, that's where the problem lies. Is... Right, so no, it's because I'm talking about Star Trek, right? So yes, he, he, but once again, J.J. Can... Abrams, root cause number one. Always, right? Just see the new South Park episode, But you're please. also, you're you're seeing exactly what has happened now to Marvel, you know? Like, yes. oh, yeah, I mean, well, now Iceman's gay. Well, like, so, wait, so, so comic comic books, I think, are, are an even more... <laughs> Surprise! I like dick! <laughs> comic books, I think, are, are, are an even more egregious form of canon. So, for, I mean, frequently, that doesn't even get to refer to as canon. It's continuity in, in, in comics, right? Yep. And we... we That's an interesting distinction. I wonder if it's a distinction without a difference or not. I don't, I don't think hugely that it is. I ex- wonder. Except that I think... Like like you've discussed, like canon, I think is driven by the fans. Continuity, I feel like, more, is more driven by the writers and whatnot. Mm-hmm. But okay. I, I, realistically, I don't think there's a huge a huge distinction there. And I think you know we talked about you know when 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 canon changes, you know, like geeks do, they get on the internet and they scream for a while. I mean, I remember when every time I remember when time. when Disney said. All the expanded universe stuff is no longer canon for Star Wars. A lot of friends of mine kind of lost their shit. Even Kyle did, which is it's it's hard oh, to I get. Remember that. It's hard to get Kyle worked up over anything. And I can do it. Well, I mean, we all can. It just takes a little while. Kyle can also get you worked up over things. Oh yeah, say, Jude is the one that's willing to put in the effort. <laughs> this is true. But I, just, I remember going up to Kyle and be like, "Look, it's not like Disney's requiring you, you know, to go turn in your books for burning." And you know, yes, line, line, line up for line up for re-education. <laughs> at, at least not yet. Yikes. I mean, it's Disney; they'll, they're getting there. I'm certain they're working on the technology as we speak. Probably. Yeah. You're gonna swipe your badge to get into Disney, or your your armband to get into Disney World, and suddenly your brain will reset entirely. Yeah, you know, but like comics, I mean, comics do this on like a regular basis, and fans. Time. I mean, especially with as often as they do. I mean, you talk about a retcon. Retcon literally is short for retroactive continuity. It is a comic book based concept. Reset. Like yeah. that. That's where that. That's where the, the the idea of a retcon comes from. Is comics. They do this all the fucking time, and it never ceases to amaze me how much comic fans lose their minds over what they know is coming. Yes. Well, with the Captain America thing, most recently, where he said, "Hail Hydra." It's, I mean, I know that's not even the worst. I mean, like, I think the the worst lately was actually the um, DC Rebirth reboot. Oh, yeah, that when, was also when, a big one. When they decided that, hey, the last five years of DC continuity are now not going to be canon. And they're going to be, and we're going back to the old continuity. And, like, it's just, just, I mean, just thinking about it makes me laugh because of how ridiculous it gets and how ridiculous the fans get. And I think, you know, my biggest point is I don't really think continuity and, and canon really truly matters. I mean, like you guys have been arguing, make the decision for yourself, right? I mean, yeah, I think I can agree with both of you on, to some extent, especially dude, when you're talking about, you know, this is the author's work and this is everything else is just kind of other people doing their takes and expanding upon it. But... You know, you hit a point where you're just going, who cares if they change it? What does it, well, what, I what, agree. Does it what does it matter? No, I absolutely agree because, you know, 
I think the truth lies in between all three of us, right? Is is I I pick the author, the original creative mind, just as a as a hard line, right? And once you cross that line, it's fuzzy, right? That's basically it. But as Tracy points out, in 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 it's in probably the most important part is it's personal to the fan. What well, all I would add to that is that. Um, what where canon comes from first is the the fans themselves. The Certainly, group, right. That's where it comes from. Now you're asking a little bit of a different question: is does it matter, right? And that goes back to kind of square one with Tracy is no because the it's personal. So for me, right, Bond is only what was written by Fleming, and written by uh, and Conan is only written by Howard. And everything else is just kind of fun interpretations of that character that I can accept or reject without any real threat or embarrassment to the source product that I enjoyed. Mm -hmm. So you could make Conan a uh, half elf. You could write a Conan story where Conan's a a, a, a black a black half elf woman, demisexual, autistic person. And there's your Conan story, right? And it's like, okay, there's the Dark Horse stamp of seal approval. There's Conan, whatever, however they want to do it. I, that's not Conan to me. I don't have to accept it. And if enough fans don't accept it, it's forgotten. Yeah, right? it's forgotten. So you're right. You know, it does. It, it doesn't. It, it it doesn't matter at all. So you know, in the end, especially with comic books, people just take sections of these characters' histories and accept them as canon. So, like, for some people, the Spider-Man is the Spider-Man that was written by Todd McFarlane. That's their Spider-Man. It's Todd McFarlane's Spider-Man. Or for mm -hmm. other people, their X-Men is Chris Claremont's X-Men. You know? Absent that fact that Stan Lee created the damn thing. So, so other people, it could be just Stan Lee is my X-Men, plus maybe a couple parts from here and there. And that's the X-Men that I like. And I would, if enough I would people love come to meet together, someone who thinks that about X-Men, because I've read Stan Lee X-Men. <laughs> right. No, that's what I always <laughs> And I, really I want to know what medication they're on, because I want some of it. I've always found that funny, because like we, we, we revere Stan Lee as this great creative mind. I've never read a single word of his, and I remember asking you this, like, is his shit even good? It, 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 it's pretty rough at times. Yeah, so the, the man loves himself some alliteration, though. Yes. <laughs> I mean, I, yeah. and, and not even just in names. Also, transistors. Yeah, I mean, I've, I've I've talked about that in some other in some other stuff, and just like transistors, like the little like electronic stuff. Like yeah. The... So like in in old Iron Man issues and Avengers, because Iron Man's in it, everything is transistor powered. Oh. Which everything. I mean, th th that's a problem on a couple fronts. One is transistors don't power things. Right, they're basically little switches, or or amplifiers. I've actually I've I've looked at again not being very good with electrical engineering. I've looked at like the schematic for an amplifier for transistors. I'm like, how the fuck does that work? I can I can understand how the how it works as a little switch because that's you know that's as as good as I'm gonna get. But yeah, I mean that one that, the transistor thing I think is just Stan loving the idea of this new technology and wanting to incorporate it because transistors actually are one of the most important inventions in, in the history of man, believe it or not. Oh yeah. But I mean, more to the point, I, I think you're right is in the end, don't, don't get too bent out of shape over it because you know, your what you love about whatever piece of geekdom that you like. So for me, I like tie fighter. Tie fighter is canon. I don't give a fuck what Disney says. Right. 
The game of Tie Fighter is fucking awesome, and that's canon to me. I'm, it, th- that shit happened. All right, I cool. single-handedly sunk an entire Rebel fleet with with a missile boat. Speaking but of the, speaking of Grand Admiral Thrawn, yeah, right. I actually think that's where, <laughs> he, where thing, he originated. But I the it one came thing the, that I have well, to point out is that this is a mature conversation for us to to have the the points of view that we're taking are mature because, and I say this because we're not this screaming mean, at each other. Yeah, that's crazy to say. Good for you. You could talk like an adult. I'm not. I'm not, We're not screaming to and throwing feces. <laughs> no, that's monkey behavior. Not challenge accepted. Um, it, it, I don't mean mature in that way. I mean mature as in I think it takes a lot of experience with these different properties and seeing what happens to really grasp what we're saying. Because I remember being. 16, 17 years old. I don't even remember what I was reading. I was reading something. And the more recent works completely changed the the earlier stuff. I mean, Redwall does this a little bit. Uh, people would take the characters from Chronicles of Narnia and they would write stuff. I would get bent out of shape over uh, fan fiction, like Lord of the Rings fan fiction, because it wouldn't match my expectations. And then I'd get all upset that anyone could even think such a thing. And that's that's something that, an immature mind will dwell on, whereas a mature person or someone who has sort of realized that these things do come and go, like what dude was saying, these things come and go. If a majority of fans don't like it, it disappears and everyone forgets about it. Uh, But that's something that it takes a little bit of experience to actually grasp. I think that a younger fan isn't going to understand that fundamentally. Maybe. I'm, 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 it was very beautiful. I just I wanted to believe it, but as Tracy's telling t- saying this, my head is going back to the dude we saw at New York Comic Con going, "What they did to Green Lantern was a travesty." <laughs> like that's a, and I was right. Like, that 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 wasn't a younger fan. That was a man. That was a grown man losing his bananas. Yeah, I mean, I I think I think the other definition of mature, the not throwing poop at one another definition of mature, I think is actually the one you you really were kind of going yeah. for there, because there are plenty that. of people who that have, guy was have, have read every issue of every comic published since, you know, 20 years before they were born and know all kinds of stuff and just can't accept any change. And yeah. any, okay, any, well, any deviation from what they deem is their own canon. I'm very sad to hear that those people exist. Perhaps I just have not been exposed properly to you just, those people. You obviously just have not just been paying attention while we were walking around New York Comic Con. They were all over I, the place. I just try to ignore those ones. Although I did see someone so, kind of standing so Tracy, off to the so corner Tracy's today. So Tracy's determining her own, her own canon of reality now? Is that what's happening? <laughs> <laughs> Entirely possible. I'm not, I'm not saying this is a bad idea. I'm not, look, I'm not saying this is a bad idea. I'm just, you know, we'll have to look into that one. <laughs> Tracy's reality canon. Slightly different from the rest of yours. I just realized that as I've made my, my, my window for the camera bigger, my room from this angle looks like a storage container. Like yeah, I really do. Yeah, I look close. like I'm talking to you from a storage container. So we did it from bit... another angle. It looked like a library, but it really looks like I live in a a a lily white storage room. Nice. God, I need I need I need to fix I need to fix stuff. <laughs> I need to clean up today. All right. So since it's been a while, we'll go ahead and and, and kick off with dude as to what you've been into. Oh, I saw a bunch of movies. I saw Sully. Uh, earlier in the week, 
and Snowden. Um, both of them are pretty good. Uh, I saw Hell or High Water recently. I saw the horror film Don't Breathe. I don't know if I told you about that. No. That was terrible. That movie was awful. It was like, oh, this new horror film. It's not. It's really bad. Um, I've been working on this goddamn computer and just to get that that was just a nightmare and so finally it worked so i've been i'm re I'm, as we're doing this podcast i'm reinstalling all my steam games but i was playing battlefleet gothic armada it's not bad i don't know if it was worth the trouble i just put myself through right <laughs> just, I, put, I put myself through a week of hell to play this one goddamn game and you're sitting there going this better be better be fucking worth it. it's just okay it's just kind of okay um I really, I'm waiting for a great fleet combat game, and this is not a great one. It's a pretty good one. I mean, its its problem is that it's based on Battlefleet Gothic. Right. Well, I mean, there's a bunch of fleet games that have all been out there that have been trying. I actually got this game called Steel Ocean. That's freaking cool. That's nice. fun. If you, if you like World War II era uh, ship combat, it's a multiplayer. It's free. You could, you could play it for free. It, it's a lot of fun. Uh that's really about it. I'm still working on the, you know, the, the, the Orwell stuff. Been reading and rereading Road to Wigan Pier. I'm almost finally kind of done with it. The book is kind of, first half of the book now I can say is pretty solid. If you want to ever pick it up, you want to pick it up for part one. Part two is kind of a mess. He kind of goes all over the place. He jumps around and then. There's parts where he was like, I talked about this in my previous book. You should go buy my previous book. Right? <laughs> you know what I mean? He, he does that. Because, uh, like, where the first half is, like, he's documenting what the world looks like in England at the time. And the second half is more polemics than anything else. But that's that's really about it. I've kept it kept it pretty low-key over the last couple of weeks. Nice. Tracy? Um, I did a lot of adulting recently, which sucks, let me tell you. Um, the dog had colitis last week, probably mostly brought on by the fact that his routine has been completely decimated every single week for like six weeks in a row, and he does not respond well to that emotionally. So he went to the vet. Then today I bought like speaking of living in a storage unit, I bought some um, of that collapsible, like closety organizational stuff from the room store or wherever I was today. Um, so hopefully I'll get some of the m still moving in stuff under control. And I also bought a new mattress and I'm very excited. They're going to deliver it tomorrow. I'm so freaking excited. Um, but as far as media that I've been imbibing, uh, I've been watching The Man in the High Tower, which is really pretty, but there are some severe directorial problems with it. Um, I, I don't know really how to describe it other than that. I think it's worth watching, but I'm not entirely certain that it lives up to the hype. Yeah, I'm kind of so, curious. I haven't had a chance to watch it yet, but I'm kind of curious about it just because you know, they basically made a series out of what is like a 150-page novella. And and season two is about to drop in January, so right, yeah, I mean, so literally two seasons. I mean, I mean admittedly, you know, it's Philip K. Dick. There have been, you know, very very long pieces of media built off of very short works of his. Yeah, I mean, and I can see why they would have 
been able to do this. It, he essentially opens up not just a small world or a few characters, but actually sort of a concept that you can build on pretty easily. It's almost modular. But yeah, um, that's, anyway, that's, I, I... That's kind of one of the things Dick is known for. Like, uh, we can remember... We, uh, Total Recall is based on a 30-ish page short story called We Can Remember for, It For You Wholesale. And that's been made, what, like three times now? Twice. Oh, it's only two times? Okay. Um, yeah, I, I would recommend it, especially right now, because there's only six episodes. It's on Amazon Prime. It's free to watch if you if you have Prime. So I, for that reason, I, I would say watch it. It's I'm, it's it's got great casting. I'll say that it's got really really good casting. Um, I'm all I just finished the Enchantress of Florence, which is the ninth book by Salman Rushdie. So this is my first sort of foray into Rushdie's work. Of course, he's super famous for pissing off a lot of Muslims and inciting a fatwa. So <laughs> I sort of get why. The book feels... It, I don't know. Have either of you read The Thousand and One Nights in any translation? No. The, uh, some of the individual stories. Yeah. It kind of flows like that. It flows like an Indian story, which is really cool if you like that if you if you're interested in and you like the way that sinbad the sailor goes the, just the flow of the storytelling then i think that you'll really like this book it touches on some historical it's sort of like a fantastical retelling of history so uh Nicol, niccolo machiavelli shows up in it um some other famous historical figures uh, all with interpretive spellings of their names including genghis khan um, Have you read any of his other stuff? No, this is my very first this book first by him. Because I think, yeah. what is he most... He's, um, he's really famous. I mean, he's obviously famous for Satanic Verses, but what was the one prior to that that put him on the map? Um, oh. Midnight's, Midnight's Children? Children. Yeah. Yeah, Midnight's yeah. Children is the one that really put him on the map. There's this whole genre of English language literature from India. That's out there, and if you if you ever if people are interested in it, it's I've never read much from it. Like I I like Rushdie, like I've watched his lectures and his interviews and stuff. I, I've never really read his work. You know, the... he's actually from Kashmir, not India. Oh, okay. Mm -hmm. um, Which is a small but important uh, right. thing given his history. Yeah. Um, but he's like the sweaters. Yeah. He's... Yes. Oh, no, 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 no. The Zeppelin song. Okay. That's. that's... <laughs> um... So, he just lives in a Led Zeppelin, Led Zeppelin yeah, album. <laughs> yeah, so he's he's a really interesting guy. But Midnight's Children was the one that kind of put him on the map. And then uh, Joseph Anton is his like autobiography memoir about what happened after um, uh, the the Satanic Verses, or just the after he releases Satanic Verses. It's yeah. And there's a couple really good documentaries on YouTube about that whole event, and you know. That's something Cats that I would actually like to do a podcast on in the in the nearish future if um, if we can. So yeah, he it, very interesting book, worth the read for sure. Um, so yeah, that's basically what I've been doing: a lot of adulting and some minor media stuff. Speaking of historical stuff, I did forget. I wanted to mention this. I rewatched one of my favorite movies of all time recently, uh, Amadeus, Ooh, and, that's a and good one. it. It shouldn't be, when you think about it, it shouldn't be my most favorite movie of all time. And you'll watch it and you're like, this even shouldn't even be considered a great movie. But it is really great. <laughs> like, that's the thing, is you'll watch it. And now Netflix has, like, the three-hour version, which I'm not a fan of. I actually liked the original, like, two-and-a-half-hour version that they, they released for the Oscars. But nowadays, it's 
the new canon is the three-hour version of Amadeus. So you got to kind of deal with it. It's still great. It was. It's still really these, these beautiful individual scenes. It's just. It's written really well. It's filmed really F, well. F. Murray, F. Murray Abraham's performance is just the performances all, from top to bottom are because Milos Forman casts very carefully. Right. Uh, especially his. He talked about his ancillary characters. He casts really. It's really great. It's a really really great film, and I've been recommending it to people. So you got to rewatch this. It's it's just so much fun. It's not really geeky, but it's just a great film. No. Uh, yeah, I watched it. It's probably been a couple of years now since I watched it, but I was really blown away by it the first time I saw it. Yeah, something about it. it. Probably because it's not a biopic, right? It's really not. Right. Because, like, it's so historically inaccurate, it's laughable. It's truly just a work of historical fiction. Mm-hmm. And if you, if you accept it as a work of historical fiction, it's, it's fantastic. Better. Yeah. Yep. All right, so this week I have been... I've still been working on the the Tetris book that I got at New York, which is actually it's actually becoming more and more interesting. Just how some of these people who were involved in bringing Tetris to the West got involved in just computers in general. You know, one one of the guys that was a real kind of he loved computers, but ended up in, ended up involved in Japanese electronics in kind of an ass backwards way and. Really, just a fascinating topic. Uh, I also, like I mentioned earlier, I rewatched X Men Apocalypse, and yeah, like I said, it, it. I mean, my opinion of it hasn't changed, other than, like I mentioned, looking at it from a different perspective, I can see, yeah, there are some really, really great X Men moments, but they're all strung together by narrative nonsense that doesn't, doesn't connect to one, one, one to the other, so. Exactly. It doesn't. It doesn't help the movie at all. And then that might be most. Of, oh, well, then I started uh, the D and D group for Kurt and Tracy. Oh, that's right. We totally did that. And and you guys totally didn't die. We by the skin of our teeth. By the skin. I got, got fucked up when I tried D and D. I died so fucking hard. By the, by the skin. <laughs> by the skin of Deus Ex Machina is what it was. That's exactly right. I'm sitting there like, okay, so I want you guys to know that I am not a risk taker. I'm not a risk taker in real life. I'm not a risk taker in an RPG. And I would way rather negotiate with somebody than fight them. So Kurt kept charging into every freaking fight. And I'm like, can we just intimidate this bear? Like, do we have to kill it? He's like, no, we got to kill it. We got to kill it. Well, hey, hey, so then, Admittedly, we gave, you know, I, I let you guys roll initiative and whoever got the first action... You know, got got to decide the got to decide the the course forward, and uh, you know, you you definitely won it on one of the one of the rounds, and I did. and botched your roll. That's true. That's exactly what happened. So that sucked. And then Kurt but... tanked his roll, and managed. You to... didn't do it. Yes, Man- he was down to anyone do what Baruch did when we played and, and roll three ones in a row. No, oh, he, he wasn't that bad. But like Kurt rolled a one, landed, ended up you know, face down in the, in the dirt. <laughs> and then, and then That's two right. demons kind of came and then two demons kind of came over and stomped on him. <laughs> I got, I got my ass like stabbed through the chest and I didn't even, like I walked up to some sort of like, I wasn't playing with you guys obviously, but it was right. a, I walked up to something and some, some suit of armor that came to life. 
and I died quickly and fell down a flight of steps. And Baruch was going to try and save me, but he rolls three ones in a row. Like he goes up steps, rolls a one, falls down. Uh, can't tries to rolls to get up, falls down again, then rolls to like tackle the suit of armor and misses and hits another team member or something. It was like, God damn it. That's awesome. And then, and then Jessica's sitting there going, I'm going to use some bard ability. And she goes, you can't, it's a suit of armor. It doesn't have feelings. Right. Because <laughs> you're a fucking bard. And you're fucking useless. Yep. Yikes. And then she sent us some some meme of like a flute player from like a, I don't know, a college basketball game that's like girls crying. I think it was, and when, like, I think it was when Duke got their ass kicked last year in the NCAA Yeah, and the tournament. caption is like, your reaction is your, your your party is dying and you can't do anything because you're a bard. <laughs> yep. So. All right, folks, if you like what we do, make sure you head on over to TheRefarGeek.com. Check out our blog posts on our podcasts. You can find us on Facebook, on Instagram, and on Twitter. And you can find this podcast and other podcasts like it on iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, and YouTube. So, so once again, I'm Andrew. I'm Tracy. Oh, smash microphone. That didn't work. All right. And I'm been, dude. And you've been listening to Therefore I Geek. <laughs>